Two teams with no state tax going head-to-head -head in the final. Dallas, Tampa Bay, that's where it's at this year. That's what we're looking at as our COVID Cup Stanley Cup final. What's up? Cody Jansen with here on 12 Ounce Sports World Hockey Report and Zingo TV Channel 761. Show presented by MyBookie.ag. Use promo code 12OZSports when signing up. And they're going to match your deposit to $1,000. MyBookie.ag, promo code 12OZSports. Time to get into on the show today. We're going to kick it off. Adam Trout is up next. He's in the bullpen right now. 820 Matt Nave is going to come on. Let's talk some goaltenders with him. we got two Russians going head-to-head -head in the final. 840 Stanley Cup final bets. I know Pete's power plays, but hey, I'm here. I got a couple of lines for you I think you're going to want to look at, and I think you're going to enjoy because... It's going to be interesting, and we will break it down. But first, Adam Irmchow, presented by VerbaroHockey.com, best in custom team apparel. Whatever you want, custom team store, Verbero Hockey is going to get it done today. You want a discount? Shoot us a message. Wherever, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Verbero Hockey will hook you up. And hey, World Hockey Report will save you some money as well. All right, time to welcome on the man himself, Adam Irmchow. What... What a series. I, I really enjoyed that Isles-Tampa series. Obviously, I'm biased because I'm a huge overtime guy. But come on. That was, that was a good series in general. And honestly, if Brock Nelson practiced the shootout more than twice a year, I, I can't imagine Trotz is doing the shootout in practice too many times. This should be going seven. Yeah, I mean, if he, if he just went to the back end, because... Vasilevsky bit pretty hard on his forehand fake there when he shot her right at him. But yeah, it was a good series. Um, a lot of people are kind of ripping the Islanders for how they play, but at the same time, I mean, if that's your team who's a shot away or a breakaway away from going to Game Seven of the Conference Finals, then you don't really care. Exactly. And can you rip on defensive hockey at this point where it works? I mean, Dallas plays defensive hockey. Yeah, like it's not like Tampa plays terribly defensively, but yet again, that's what wins you games. Having all these studs up front, high flying, run and gun hockey doesn't get you to the Cup Finals. It just doesn't. No, it doesn't. And I mean, there needs to be some balance where you saw it kind of with with the Islanders, where they have some some good forwards, but they don't really have that go to guy, which is what I said. And they're great defensively, and I think. Losing Sezikis hurt them, like just kind of from a motivational guy on the bench standpoint. And I mean, at the end of the day, they didn't really have that guy who they could really look at. Like Barzell's not that guy yet. I don't know if he will be. He they had that crucial too many man power play in overtime, and he turned it over three times. And then <laughs> on the Sorelli goal, I, it just can't happen. Where he's with them, he's with them, and then Sorelli just went to the net. Barzell just pizza stop basically and just stood there so that can't happen they had some really nice moments but eventually i think they just ran out of gas how about this sorelli kid he's got like a mem cup ot goal he's got like an ohl championship 
overtime goal. Now he's got a goal to send the Lightning to the Stanley Cup. Talk about clutch. Yeah, and he was frustrated that whole series. Like, they were just saying, oh, he's due, he's due. And then it looked like he blew his knee for a bit there when he he ran into Lee. But, no, definitely clutch. And, I mean, he's a really good two-way player and offer sheet, maybe. Is he that good, though? Is he offer sheet good? I honestly don't. I, I haven't seen enough of him. Like, watching him like, in the series, he looked solid. But, like, it's not like he's a guy who I'm like, oh, I'm going to throw him on my top line. No, not, not a top line guy, but, I mean, if you look at a cap team like Tampa, you say we're going to offer sheet this guy to screw him over type thing. That's fair. I don't know. I, I just, like, the offer sheet thing, everyone gets thrown around like it's so easy to use, but GMs are weary, are weary of it. So that's where uh, it kind of throws me off. I want to get your thoughts on the Isles here. One more thing on them because... Man, game one was pathetic. Like, they got run out of the building. I didn't have any faith in their goaltenders. And then Varlamov pulls through, and he played fine. I mean, I said, hey, for them to win games, he's got to allow nothing or one. Can't allow more than one. If it's two or three, you're losing the hockey game with this Islanders team. And, I mean, for the most part, I was proven correct there. Do you still have faith in Varlamov as a, as a starting goaltender? And a, and a part B on this question as well is, with Thomas Grice, I believe he's a UFA. Like, is someone going to go after him? They got Sorokin coming, so I don't see them re-signing him. Where do the Isles go from here? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, if you look at the three of the four teams left, they, they've pretty much been platoons, like the, the 1A, 1B, where Leonard and Fleury and then Hedobin and Bishop in the regular season and then the Islanders guys and then Tampa doesn't really count because they have a top three goalie where I mean he's one of the last guys who can be a 65 game guy but yeah I think they just let Varlamov and Sorokin run the ship and let Grice walk I mean you saw what Shesterkin did this year after coming over from the K and by all accounts Sorokin should be the same it's an interesting point for sure. Now, we'll move on to Tampa. Let's give them some praise. Hey, they beat an Islanders team that's not easy to beat. I think that is about as far as I'll go. I don't think that they were overly impressive. I don't think they're, they're the most resilient bunch I've ever seen. But it's obviously clear. Braden Point stirs the drink for Tampa. And it doesn't matter how pissed off their fans want to get on Twitter. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a clear point by now. They, they were 4-0 when Braden Point was in the lineup, and they were 0-2 when he wasn't there. Yeah, exactly. And I remember a couple of years ago, I was listening to, to John Cooper, and they said, Braden Point probably doesn't have the best shot on your team. He's probably not the fastest. He might not be the smartest or biggest, but he's probably your best player. And that's how it is. Like He's not the most skilled guy. He just stirs a drink for them. And you look at Kucherov, when Point was out of the lineup, basically Kucherov was too um, yeah and I think this is the type of guy they've been missing where they kind of have they have some really good players but this is like the it guy they've been missing I agree give me your thoughts on Kucherov's series he put up points I mean five of them came in the first game when anyone with skates was putting up points but end of the day made some good plays he also is very lucky that the Isles have little to no offensive ability, especially in transition. Yeah, like, he's a really skilled player. Like, I'll give him that. And he's really nice on the power play and, and all that. He just 
there's a couple times yesterday where he tried forcing some plays and getting a little too cute with it where it was basically he was asking for it to be an odd man rush the other way and I don't know he just point does a lot for him no kidding now Victor Hedman Adam we don't get to watch too much of Tampa Bay they you know they play in the middle of nowhere Florida that's way far away from here so it's it's tough obviously to get a tune in to Fox Sun Southwest or Sun, whatever they're on. So we don't get to watch too much of Hedman. But did he impress you in this series? Because for me, he's a guy who always said, hey, Hedman's a good defenseman, but I don't know if he's really leadership material on Tampa Bay. I think he's really taken a turn for the better. I mean, this is he was part of that young core that struggled. And I mean, was he injured in 2015 or not? I don't think he was injured in 2015. Obviously, last year against Columbus, yes. But, I, I mean, all in all, I was impressed by him, but I want to know your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, he's, what is he, like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He skates as good as anyone. He's big and strong. and I think he's probably, what, the best defenseman in the league at this point. Like, he's so, he's so good. He's on their power play, penalty kills. He does a lot for them, and... I mean, you mentioned off the top the state taxing. What they get them, they get them at eight million, and then you go to a team like LA or San Jose where their guys are at eleven million because the tax is so high. So that's just how it works. And I mean, we we say that state tax doesn't matter, but it really does. Oh, 100% it does. And anyone who says it doesn't matter is an absolute idiot. I mean, that's the the simplest way to put it. I feel like you're almost cheating though. When you say that Hedman's the best, because hey, you've been a huge Miro Heiskanen fan, and this is this is an exciting matchup. I mean, I'm not going to call Hedman old school, but he's definitely not fresh meat anymore. And the the Bolts are going to have a whole new challenge when it comes to Dallas because they play a style unlike anyone else. Like if I'm going through the three boxes here offense I'm ticking off Tampa defense I'm ticking off Dallas goaltending I'll call it a wash just with how Hudobin's playing but generally I mean you're ticking off Vasilevsky here but defense wins championships Adam I mean if you've got guys like Essel Lindell eating slap shots for dinner and you've got Haskin in you know you've got so Klingberg is unbelievable at walking the line and getting shots through I mean we know how Vasilevsky struggles with, with you know that battle factor in front he's not the biggest guy by any means but this is going to be a heck of a series and what what's what are some of the things that come to your mind when you are looking at a preview for this um i think Tampa's got a lot of credit for for getting guys like Coleman and Goudreau and kind of rounding out their team from a, a skill to a more physical group, but you look at Dallas, and Dallas, I think, can run teams out of the building, or they can beat you with their speed, and that's something to watch for, and everyone's picked against Dallas, like, this whole playoffs, like, after... Yep, that's me. That's How that's they me. looked kind of the start, and then how they looked at the start against Calgary, and then, I don't know, they just, I think they just have it, like, in Against Vegas, people were saying Vegas and five and Vegas and six, and it was Dallas and five. And they just, how many times have they scored like goals in bunches where they just don't go away? And I think they can smell blood, right? Like if Ben and Pavelski, we've been saying at the whole playoffs, if they get 40 or 50 points in the regular season, you'll be like, that's kind of an off season for them. But then they get to the playoffs, they get to some 
some big goals and Ben has 70 hits, then I think that that, that kind of does it. And I mean, Tampa's good, and but point, like he stirs a drink for them. And if he's healthy in the series, maybe I pick them, but he's wincing every time he got to the bench yesterday. Dallas is one of the most versatile teams I've seen in such a long time where they can go and just put up a bunch. They can put up a field goal, no problem, and they can also lock it down with the best. Like When you think back at them, and I'm just talking recent years here, like St. Louis couldn't do it, Washington couldn't do it, Pittsburgh, no, I, I don't think Pittsburgh was as locked down at times. Like There's not many teams in the NHL that can do what Dallas has done where they can go to war and their guns can be firing. They can put six in, no problem. They can also lock it down. And, I mean, no shots coming or no high danger chances coming. Things like that. You know, they're they're a very well-rounded bunch. Man, I, I've made, I mean, Anton Hudobin's made me look like such an idiot for so long saying that I, I worry about him and all he's done is put up a 950 save percentage. So, uh, man, how do you bet against Dallas in this series? Like, I'll get your prediction at the end, but I wanted to move on to talk some more NHL news while I got you here. The Minnesota Wild. What on earth are they doing? I mean... Eric Stahl, if you think that, I guess we're not in the dressing room, right? But to me, that just felt like such a weird move and almost insignificant for for the return they got. Yeah, it, it was weird. Like, I was like, okay, like, it's probably Joe Hansen in a pick or something, and Minnesota's trying to fix their center position. Like, they got Bukestad and they're letting Galchenyuk go, I guess, but what? But it was just weird. And I mean, from Stahl's standpoint, it seemed like he was pretty content with just kind of uh, like not rotting in Minnesota, but just ending in Minnesota, where he's building a home. He's Nick's trades to Boston. He took less from Paul Fenton, and then didn't even have Buffalo on his no trade list because, like, he's like, why would Buffalo make sense? And I mean, in all honesty, it's a great move for the Sabers, right? And there's a connection with their new GM, Kevin Adams, who would have played with Stalling Carolina, but like I don't know what Minnesota's doing because Buffalo signed Johansson to play with Eichel, and then all of a sudden he was a second-line center, never really played center in his life, and then Minnesota's like, yeah, I think we can make him a center. So clearly that doesn't work. See, Jonathan Duran in Montreal, um, like if Minnesota, like I, I really don't get it, honestly. Like they... They don't have any center. You see what happened to, to Vegas with William Carlson and Paul Stastny, who really got you got nothing out of. And I mean, you you run out of out of guys, and you need a top center to win. Clearly, it's been proven. And Minnesota's nowhere close. I mean, Bill Guerin's got got some work to do. Speaking of trades, there's a ton of rumors. I mean, you got Camper to Calgary, OEL to Edmonton. Which, which one do you see more likely? I mean, are, are we talking about Edmonton getting a defenseman like Oliver ekman Larson, Or are we talking about the Flames getting a potential, you know, franchise-changing goaltender in Darcy Kemper? Probably the Kemper to Calgary one. I just don't really understand how Edmonton can, or really any team could make $8 million fit in their cap right now. Like, if you're Edmonton, you're looking at, like, a nurse and a chase on 
type deal to free up eight million. And I mean, if you're Calgary, you got a bunch of cast space. You got, you did lose some draft picks, so maybe that doesn't work. But to fit in four and a half million for a Vesna caliber goaltender, that's what you want to do for Edmonton to move pieces around to get a little better on the back end and probably lose a forward doesn't make sense when they can't even afford to re-sign Athens to see what it looks like, so probably (laughs) Kemper to Calgary. For Edmonton, I would say OEL almost is more promising based on the fact that Arizona needs to shed money because they're a dumpster fire. They still have unpaid bills at their rink. Like, what is this, Junior B? I mean, that's pathetic to begin with. If your owners are millionaires and billionaires, that should be the least of your worries. I don't know. That's pathetic in my mind for an NHL franchise to run into that. Maybe for Edmonton, they... uh... Like, a lot of these, like, Detroit, Ottawa, Arizona teams, it looks like they're going to take on a guy like, let's say, Chris Russell, who's owed, whose cap hits $4 million, but he's only owed, like, one and a half. So, like, it looks like you're paying them four, but, like, you're saving $3 million, which screams Arizona. For sure, but, uh, I mean, what I'm saying for OEL would be is that the Oilers can package a guy like either Darnell Nurse or Oscar Clefbaum, Adam Larson... Like, you can package one of them, you can package a chase on in there, and you can package one of your young rookie defensemen. I get it. It sucks. You don't want to have to give up a Caleb Jones. I mean, I don't think you're looking at early Broberg or Ethan Bear, but, like, you've got a ton of young prospects in the pipeline. They're not all going to fit into your top four in the next three to four years. you got to get rid of them while they got value, and you have a chance to bring in a top-end defenseman. Like, this is this isn't bringing in you know, uh, Jonas Brodeen. This is bringing in Oliver Ekman Larson. And if you can free up the cap space for him, this is this is your number one guy, which the yeah. Oilers desperately need. And they're they're hard to trade for. And now I think maybe he's a little cheaper. Maybe it's just Nurse Chase on in a mid round pick because. If you look at it, Arizona needs to shed money. No chance they're doing that. Like, no. Yeah, but like they, they need to shed money, and they're they're close to the cap. Like they're almost trying to get rid of them at this point. Yeah, that's what it does feel like. Already, I, I want to talk some World Juniors with you, so we are going to run this one here. Um, obviously, Double IHF they cancel all their other events. They keep the World Juniors running. I'm gonna say this before I, you know, ask the question because I got to get this off my chest right now. If you're pissed off that the Double IHF is canceling other tournaments, including the female women's World Under 18s, which we've already said is a joke that they run at the same time as the World Juniors, but if you're mad that they're canceling that and not the Under 20s. You're either the worst business owner I've ever seen or ever heard of, or you're just completely incompetent with how business works. Because the under-20 world juniors, I mean the top flight for men's, they've got one of the largest TV deals in you know junior hockey to date. Plus, I mean, what it's bringing in in exposure and revenue... There's a reason why Hockey Canada is forking over the money for this. And so the under-18s, which I believe were to be held in Sweden, if they wanted it to be done in a bubble, Hockey Sweden or the Swedish Ice Hockey Federation, whatever the heck it is, would have had to be forking over all of this money and it would be running a massive deficit. Why? Because they're not getting a big TV deal. I mean, that's, that's almost... 
Adam, this is going to sound terrible. That's one of those cases where you're almost paying someone to broadcast it versus the World Juniors where TSN is paying millions to broadcast it. It's totally different. But Adam, I want to get your sense, though. I mean, it's going to be in a bubble this year in Edmonton. I like the idea just because we're going to get it. I think it's a little bit weird with the time frame of juniors. But for you, does this have much of an impact because on, on, on how you see these prospects? Because I don't know. I, I think that we could be getting cream of the crop here. I think if the NHL's not going, they're going to let all of their eligible players play in this. Am I wrong? I don't think so. I mean... That uh, like they should be going, and if you look at like, I mean, it, it won't be as good as the 2005 team because that's the 03 draft, but like the 2005 dream lockout team, like that's what happened where like guys literally played in the NHL, then the next year they're in the World Juniors, and you look at a guy like I don't know Kirby Doc, like could he be on the World Junior team this year, right? And like there's there's guys for the states like I is he still edge eligible? I think so. Holy shit. Could like, you yeah, imagine? Yeah, like, or like Jack Hughes, like, stuff like that. So, that'd be, it'd be really cool and all that. And as far as no fans go, I mean, you look at the world championship or you look at... Yeah, there's basically the no fans there anyways. Yeah, you look at, like, the world juniors when they're in, Europe. I don't know, like, Europe or Any, something. Anywhere other than the Czech Republic, because Czech Republic did do good. Yeah, or even, like... Buffalo, um, like you're not really getting much of a fan experience. Like it's not all like they're in Saskatoon and there's fifteen thousand Canadian fans packed. It's like there's a couple like the, whatever, but for the most part, like the fans doesn't matter. Like don't really matter. And they're just kids, right? So there's gonna be like the highs and lows regardless. Like you see it in like a summer hockey event when there's a hundred people in the building. So. It's just interesting. What are they? What are they doing with Rogers Place? So, where if they think the dub's gonna start, like December first or January first, like will that not affect like the Oil Kings, like in the bubble and all that? Or because obviously there's gonna have to be people there. Well, I think for the Oil Kings, they are not going to be starting at Rogers Place. I think that's almost been determined. Like, there's no way the dub starts up in mid December because from what everything I've been told is that the WHL will not start up until teams can travel freely from the States to Canada and players can travel wherever. That's there. I, I, I guess that, well, no, that's, that's the thing is that the dub isn't considering any hub scenarios and you know, there's, there's a good amount of Americans in the WHL. If you think about it, there's a lot more Americans than I would say probably 10, 20 years ago, obviously. So you know, there's a lot of different travel restrictions that need to happen. And so pretty much everyone I've talked to, and I mean, that's a lot of people actually in the WHL have said, yeah, December, probably not happening. January, maybe. And then for the Oil Kings, what what does that matter? Oh, you, you can't play your first three weeks at home, whatever. They'll, you know, you're not getting fans in likely anyways. So take over the Golden Bears hole of a barn whatever like there's other links that you can use there's a ton of them around you know if they have to go to i don't know like st albert's got a rink there they got a decent barn like it'd be good enough right so they'll yeah. they'll, they'll figure out a way they're not being play, they're not playing in front of fans to begin with so huh, interesting 
Makes sense. Adam Urban Show, buddy. Hey, uh, thanks for uh, hopping on once again. Brought to you by Verbarrel Hockey. Adam, I got to get your Stanley Cup final pick before I let you go. Give it to me. Dallas and six. Let's go. Let's go, Stars. I knew you weren't going to pick the Tampa Bay Lightning because Nikita Kucherov. Diving. That's that's a that's a terrible play. I didn't want to get into that because I knew we were going to run this long already. All right, buddy. Thanks once again. See ya. Adam Ermintrell, right there, my guest. Brought to you by Verbero Hockey. We, I mean, we're running this late. I already told Neve. I was like, hey, man, running this late. We had so much to get into. I could have talked to the. I mean, we could have talked for hours and hours on end because that's just what we do. NHL news, we already told you. Double line chapter, Holden World Juniors, Edmonton Hub, Matty Malhotra, newest assistant coach in Toronto. You guys already saw the score 2 1. Anthony Sorelli, overtime winner. And the Wild, they got Eric Stahl. Or no, they send Eric Stahl over to the Sabres. Alrighty, let's step aside. After this, we're going to talk goaltending. I wanted to dive into it for a while, so I'm pretty happy. We got two Russians going head to head in the Stanley Cup Finals. I was going to look up when that happened. Obviously, didn't get into it. We're going to dive into it with Matt Nafe after this. This is World Hockey Report Live. Coming to you on Zingo TV, channel 761. It's World Hockey Report Live. Cody Jansen with you here on 12 Ounce Sports. Zingo TV, channel 761. Happy Friday. Oh, boy, do we have hockey to talk about and the story of the conference finals goaltending before we get into that with Matt and Nafe. Now we already know you're going to be watching the games from home. So you got to get on board with our official drink of the cup final. Refreshingly different cocoa vodka and rum combines real natural coconut water from the Philippines. Triple distilled vodka or smooth Puerto Rican white rum and a splash of sparkling water. Cocoa vodka and rum started by two Canadians with a plan. Come with a healthier summer drink made with quality ingredients. Ditch those bland seltzer waters that no one actually likes. And opt out of that beer bloat. Cocoa vodka and cocoa rum. Absolutely a vacation in a can. Cocoa vodka and rum available at BSW Liquor in Alberta. Plus a bunch of others. Check. Check AGLC. They got a bunch of lists there. Also launched in a ton of states down south. Don't forget, order online. EnjoyCoco.com. Enjoy the cocoa life with World Hockey Report. Go pick yourself up a case today. Escape with Cocoa Vodka and Cocoa Rum, the original refreshing vacation in a can. Check them out. EnjoyCoco.com. That's EnjoyCoco.com. Alrighty. Conference finals. Goaltending. That's my storyline right there, and I'm sticking with it because end of the day, Vasilevsky outplayed Varlamov, and I mean, like it or not, Varlamov might have had some better numbers at times, might have struggled at other times, but Vasilevsky came with a couple of clutch saves, and I hate to say it because hey, I still don't know if he's you know <laughs> in, in my top two for NHL goaltenders, but he's, he's been playing great, as has Anton Hudobin, who I've countlessly said is not a starting goaltender, is has no chance, has no business being here, and Hudobin has been unbelievable. I mean, yeah. this this guy is an absolute story and a half. I mean, former Saskatoon played shout out, what's up? Hudobin's been unbelievable, and I can't wait to see it. Two Russian goaltenders in the finals. We got Matt Nafe joining us from out east, the great, the great city of Ottawa. Matt, how's it going on this Friday morning? Oh, it's going really well, Cody. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Why? Because we're You're so once... good at those ad reads now. 
Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. Just, <laughs> hey, practice. Practice makes perfect. I just <laughs> you, you don't see that what happens off camera though is like an hour before I'm just reading that out loud in my head. I don't do show prep Doesn't anymore. Me. Yeah, I just read ads <laughs> constantly. So uh we gotta get through those. Buddy, we got two Russian and I mean people wanna call Anton Hudobin from Kazakhstan. I get it, he was born there, but he plays for mm-hmm. Russia. If he was yep. you know, if, if he wanted to be what is it, Kazakh? I don't know, Kazakian. I don't, I don't even know what. what I think he, it's Kazakh. Kazakh. I, that's what I think too. <laughs> but like, if he wanted to be from Kazakhstan and play for Kazakhstan, he would have done so. Not for Russia. So he's Russian yep. in my mind. He's Russian in everybody else's minds. Matt, how did we get here? How how on earth does Anton Hudobin outplay Robin Leonard and Mark Andre Fleury? I mean, is this all a product of how good Dallas is as a team? Or is this just a guy we've been sleeping on like Tim Thomas? Well, uh, it's hard to say because, I mean, in that Dallas series, uh, or the the Dallas versus Vegas series, a lot could be said. uh, You know, Hudobin was the reason they won that. I mean, the guy had a 950 save percentage, was basically unbeatable. Uh, and then, then you have Pete DeBoer saying, oh, yeah, you know, like, Thatcher Demko really got in our heads, and then and then that was it for scoring. That was a stupid comment, by the way. Yeah, no I, sense. I, I agree. Uh, maybe just just say we couldn't we couldn't score. Like, that, that, that was all you really needed to say. Um, with that said, though, I mean... It's hard not to to look at um, what Kudobin's been doing and and just applaud him because you know he's a 34 year old uh, has just grinded as a backup his entire career and and like he has such a cool personality like his nickname's Dobby he has the the you know the Harry Potter character on the side of his helmet and he's just like he's he's almost a meme at this point. Uh, with all of the funny things that, that he ends up doing. But he, he has been lights out, you know, a 5'11 goaltender. Uh, you love to see it, you know, uh, representing those undersized goalies. <laughs> um, he's been so good, and he, he moves so quickly down low, uh, can, see, can see the puck wherever it's coming from, as, as we've been able to see. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think uh, that Dallas has come a long way, but it's hard to get past their like negative goal differential thing. Like, Is the bubble going to burst in the, in the Stanley Cup final? I guess we'll have to see. See, I had analytics on it. I was going to talk with Adam about it, but I, I didn't because we had so many other things. And I mean, we, we already ran five sure. minutes into your yeah. interview. But actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> to ask you about this. Yeah. Okay, analytics, I get it. Your goal differential sucks. But here's here's my defense. And in their losses, I feel like they were not really blown out. But hey, when they lost, they lost pretty bad. Yeah. Does that matter at the end of the day where wins and losses are what matters over your goal differential? Or does it matter that the Calgary Flames smacked you 5-1 on a Monday afternoon in the first round of playoffs? I, you know, I, I think that if we're going to talk goal differential from the first couple of rounds, 
The, the game's totally changed. These guys are totally dialed in now. I would say that almost their styles have changed. They've tightened up everything. And so I'm not on board with... I, I totally understand the point that analytics play. But everyone's going, oh, Vegas's expected goals. Vegas's, you know, Corsi, all, all this stuff. Like, I mean, for one, I don't understand it well enough to have an educated opinion <laughs> on it. Because, like, really, I mean, that's nerd stuff to me. But end of the day, is you, you win the damn hockey game or you lose the damn hockey game. It's that simple. Sure. Um, I mean, the the I don't even think goal differential is a, is an analytics stat as as much <laughs> as it is like a like a real stat. But it's kind of like plus minus. Like some people want to say, oh, plus minus doesn't matter. Isn't that goal differential? That's I mean, how many goals get scored when you're on versus you know. <laughs> how many goals in your net versus I think theirs? Goal differential is like it's like how many goals you're scoring compared to how many goals are scored against you. Like, like if you have a blowout loss, uh, you know you you lose ten one, and then you win your next five games, you know two one. Like you're still gonna have a or a, a next four games, I guess. Uh, <laughs> you know two one. Uh, you're still gonna have a negative goal differential. Um, that's what is I'm it, meaning. Yeah, is that is it that much to like look into? Um, no, like I I would say there have been times where uh, like that that doesn't really make sense. But uh, if if you're looking at the Vegas series, um, if you don't think they got outplayed every night, I mean. The last game, what they the in the start of the second, it was the shots were like twenty twenty something to eight. Like, I don't think that sort of type of hockey is sustainable just because you're propped up by goaltending. Uh, I I think what Dallas has done is is fantastic. I really like a lot of their players. Mira Heiskanen is disgusting. He's the second coming of Eric Carlson. Um, he is, he is, I, I will say it right now. <laughs> he is not miles ahead. We'll go with kilometers ahead of Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes. It's not even close okay. to this point. Like, Haskinen can do it way better at the defensive end. He's way better at rushing the puck, and he's way better on the power play than either of those two. There, there I, I said it. Like, I mean, I've okay. always defended Kale McCarr to tooth and nail, but, like, Nero Haskinen is Phenomenal, as you said. Like he is Eric Carlson two point. Yeah, I, I actually like when watching um, when I watched the the Colorado Dallas series, which the first two games I was like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> uh, obviously, it didn't help that their starting goalie went down, and then Pavel Frenzos kind of just forgot how to be a good goalie because he had a really good season. Um, two different but, seasons. Yeah, exactly. Um, when, like I watched Kale McCarr and Heiskanen, and and honestly, uh, I was actually extremely surprised how good McCarr was defensively. Uh, I thought he was one of those guys that was you know completely offense first. I don't have much of a, a viewing of him in the East. Uh, they play way too late for me, way past my bedtime. Uh, <laughs> um, but it, it, like though. The, the second coming of, of young defensemen is so exciting to see. 
I I was telling my friends about it. Like I lumped Shabbat in there, but Shabbat's a hell of a defenseman as well. So uh, like I mean, Heiskin and Makar are are going to be two premier defensemen for years to come. Um, same with Quinn Hughes. He he's absolutely phenomenal as well. But uh, like yeah, I think Heiskin is a year uh, year older has a has one more year in the league and he's just been that good. Um, I, I like it's it's so cool to see. Uh, it does absolutely remind me of a young Eric Carlson. So yeah, no, he's an absolute stud to begin with. Now let's talk. Yeah. Um, now let's talk some Vasilevsky here because he was good. But how much of his performance do you give to the Islanders having half a toothpick of offensive skill? I mean, <laughs> if Brock Nelson took one shootout attempt in the year, he would have, like, man, he, he, I mean, he had Vasilevsky biting to the corner. Look at how Devon Taves had Vasilevsky biting all over the place. Like, that wraparound goal is the easiest one he's going to score in his career. Brock Nelson, yeah. overtime breakaway, little fake and he's gotten Vasilevsky sliding to his blocker side. He pulls that and shoots glove. Or if he goes to his backhand, it's game over. We got game seven coming up. I mean, but he did make the save, did he not? Well, of, of course he made the save. Well, I, but that's it, all that matters. It, it, it hit him in the I chest. Mean, we're going back to the analytics thing. You know, if you're winning games, that's all that matters. Oh, I'm, I'm not saying like I, I still think that Vasilevsky, you know, is probably the the best goalie in the playoffs. Probably a front runner for a Conn Smythe here. But, are, I mean, are we expecting that same type of performance out of him against a team like Dallas who has already scored on competent goaltenders? I'm taking that Colorado series out. I mean, Cam Talbot had a 9.47 or a 9.37 oh, save percentage. Cam Talbot was so good. Like, I mean, that's, that's, so that's a quality goaltender right there. I mean, yeah. Michael Hutchinson, Franco, Grubauer... I mean, all, all in all, that's just an average goaltending tandem that Dallas beat. And then you got Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury, who are two top 10 goaltenders in the NHL. And Dallas yeah. was able to solve them. I know it yep. wasn't pretty at times, but they got it done. The Isles weren't yeah. able to solve Vasilevsky. Is he going to be able to keep that thing locked down against a team like Dallas, who they score in multiple fashions. That's what I'll give them credit about. Yeah. I mean, they can just blast it from the top of the circles, or they've got Jumbo or Little Joe Pavelski in front there, <laughs> tipping away at the pucks. you got Corey Perry. He's in the crease. He's a shit disturber. Uh, they're just so versatile, their offense. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, the, like, uh, what we saw was the, uh, from the Islanders was that, you know, that Tampa series – Realistically, if if they didn't have a, like a, a stellar goalie performance from Varlamov, that's a four game series. Uh, quite honestly, uh, the Islanders were uh, you know beaten in every sense of the word until Varlamov decided he was going to go sicko mode in the playoffs and just uh, be absolutely disgusting. And he was like Varlamov played out of his mind. Uh, Whereas Vasilevsky, uh, I believe one game had to make over 30 saves. One game. Um, so uh, I wouldn't I, expect him to face 30 shots against the Stars either. I don't think so. And I think it's going to be a similar kind of series. And that's why 
if I'm a Dallas fan, I'm hoping the bubble doesn't burst on Hudobin because uh, we see what Tampa has the capability of doing. I mean, uh, if Braden Point is is flying, he is he's flying. Um, like even down to their you know sixth best forward, who you know could be like Tyler Johnson or Andre Palat. They've been very good these playoffs as well. Uh, it's hard, and then you have Vasilevsky in the back, who, who is, has the ability to, to be that clutch performer. And you were making a like a you said something about breakaways and shootout attempts. I think I'm pretty positive Vasilevsky is like one of the best shootout goalies of all time already. So he's basically Janner and Juniors never lost a shootout. FYI, thanks for coming. Absolutely. Uh, whereas Matt in beer league, uh, <laughs> has lost, I'm pretty sure every shootout he goes to. So, uh, hate them even when it decides a, you know, championship, the worst thing ever. Uh, it is what it is. I'm not salty about it. Uh, it, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> but Vasilevsky, like I, I think he's phenomenal. Uh, he's, he's basically just a big old cat can move wherever he needs to. Uh, so good. I I really like them. Um, I think this Tampa team is going to be really hard to beat. Wow, shocker! Tampa hard to beat. No, <laughs> just just, <laughs> just give it to you there. Uh, I I mean, hey, you hit the nail on the head there. I got one more question for you, but I just saw this on Twitter. It popped up. We got a little bit of a, yep. a conversation going on. It's hilarious. Um, I, so we asked yesterday, like, why is Komarov still wearing a cage? I honestly don't know. Like, I, I assume he was injured before the season ended or something. And then yeah. we got two people just going at it. They're, then this person's like, why not? It's better than a visor. Nolan Fowler goes, if you're 50 and this guy is like, they work for, cages work for goalies pretty well. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? You want a goalie to wear a visor? That was just, the, I mean, that tops the cake for your funniest comment I've, I've, I've seen all day. Matt, I know you've done, I mean, you've covered a ton of world juniors. I know that. I mean, we've worked together on stuff in, in the past. And, I mean, hey, we're going to be working on stuff again this winter because it's unbelievable that we're still getting the world juniors. They're going yep. forward with the bubble. It's going to be in Edmonton. Yeah. I'm so pumped to hear this. I mean, I got Adam's take on it earlier. You know, when when you heard this, and I get it, there's so many dominoes that have to fall behind the scenes. Hockey Canada is forking up an incredible amount of money to keep this bubble or to, you know, have this bubble intact once again. TSN's forking up more money than ever for these broadcast rights. Like, yeah. what when it comes down to that, from your perspective, does this not make it a little bit more exciting knowing that we could be seeing some incredible talent? I mean, think about it. If the NHL's not going, are Chicago going to be like, all right, well, have Kirby Doc get him in some games. New Jersey, why not have Jack Hughes playing? Like, these could be the best world juniors of all times. I'm not even kidding you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, from what I understand is uh, the NHL season starting in December. Not happening. January. You don't think so? No, no, not not gonna happen. Okay, well, fair enough. My opinion, um, my if, opinion. I'll, I'll bet money <laughs> on it, but yeah, continue. Um, if if they if they do start in December, it'll be hard to sell. You know, Kirby Doc leaving and getting important games. Uh, but if they start, uh, like you know, after the point in which uh, the World Juniors end. How many big injuries have we seen at, at the World Juniors? Uh, like, a not not a whole lot. So, I mean, 
it wouldn't be totally out of the realm of possibility where young NHL players can still go uh, if there's an opportunity to. But, I mean, uh, I know that, uh, you know, the Ottawa Senators are going to have two very high picks and two prospects that are definitely going to be playing in the World Juniors unless they take maybe Marco Rossi. But uh, the World Juniors are a staple. I love them so much. Uh, I hope they do go through um, because they're they're just like quality viewing. You have to watch it, and uh, I think I think the bubble it, for for the time being is kind of the way to go it, for sports. If if the league permits it, if the organization permits it, and they can make it happen, do it. I mean. Like if the players are okay with playing in front of no fans and leaving their families for, you know, two to four weeks to however long, you know, do it. Matt, buddy, I always appreciate your insight. (laughs) Always appreciate your insight there. We're going to be talking more World Juniors. I got to get your Stanley Cup final prediction, though, before we go. Oh, uh, Tampa and six. Happen six. Okay, okay. I guess we're going to have to watch and find out. <laughs> Matt, buddy, thanks once again for hopping on. Appreciate it. No problem. Have a good one. Matt and Afe right there, our goalie guru, helping us break down Hudobin and Vasilevsky. It's going to be a good one. We're going to step aside here. It's World Hockey Report coming to you live. Zingo TV, channel 761. I want to tell you guys about 2D Wrap. If you want to keep your drink cold this summer, hey, I mean, it's still warm out there. Don't kid yourself. Time to ditch the traditional koozie 2D wrap. The universal drink insulator fits any beverage, hot or cold, made in Canada. 2D wrap made with high-quality military-grade neoprene. I mean, strong and durable, the best possible. 2D wrap keeps your drink hot or cold for hours on end. Check them out today, 2D wrap. That's T-U-D-I-Wrap.com for the best drink accessory in the game. Maybe Nate just pumped up my uh, ad reads. A little bit too much there. Hey, we got it out. Of course, our Wits Nutrition and Performance question of the day. We asked you guys on Twitter, what's your thoughts? Give me your predictions for this final series, Stanley Cup final in the bubble. It's going to be electric. Few responses, few responses coming up. We are going to get to those bets as well. We got all the latest lines for you this one. Stanley Cup final prediction. What's nutrition and performance question of the day brought to you by WNP, the best workout plans, nutrition plans possible. Sherry says, I'm sure it won't be TB. You've made that clear. Hey, we asked for your pick, not ours. Cord, Cord Bunny. Hope you're enjoying that hat. Hey, I want to see it. Send us a picture. Stars in six, book it. Oglethorpe says, needs to go seven. Hard fought, best hockey we're going to see till December, nothing less. That being said, Bolts in six. He's tailbacking. Piggybacking? Tailing? Matt Neef there. Jordan, another World Hockey Board Overtime Challenge winner, says, Go Stars in six, same as Adam. Jack, let's go, baby. Lightning in five. Dion Benson, Bolts in five as well. I'm going to give my prediction. It's coming up at the end of the show, though. Hey, we got some lines to get to. Just open up the series. Let's start with that. Odds to wins the 2020 Stanley Cup. Right now, we're at Tampa Bay, minus 180. That means you got to put 180 down to make 100. Hey, 
If you got the juice, if you got the juice and you're feeling the bolt, let her fly. Stars 150. So you drop a hundo, you get 150 back. Make a, or, you know, drop a thousand, get 1500 back. Now, I, I, I don't mind putting that first game down, but if you think about it in the long run, Wait till game one because, and I'm not saying the Islanders were the best example here, but they got absolutely pumped and dumped after game one. Their odds, they flew off the shelf. I think they went to like plus 400, plus 500 to win the series. Brock Nelson scores in overtime. They're one win away. And now you got them at plus 500. I'm not saying wait out game one. I'm just saying that's what I'm going to do here. Let's take a look. Con Smythe, 2020 Con Smythe playoff trophy as MVP. Where should we start? Should we go from five down? Let's go from five down. Because I think there's a couple of notables who weren't included who need to be. Anton Hudobin's at number five, plus 350 for him if the Stars win. You gotta think he's one of the front runners. Number four, Nikita Kucherov, plus 275. Might as well burn and piss on your money at that rate. Victor Hedman, plus 250 right there at number three. Miro Heiskanen, plus 200 at number two. I'm not sure why he's that high. I love Heiskanen and all, but if the Dallas Stars win the Stanley Cup, I don't see any way how Miro Heiskanen is the one, you know, pinning the needle for us. And Braden Point at plus 125. I mean, he has been the Tampa Bay Lightning's engine throughout the playoffs. Notables, not in there. I got Andre Vasilevsky plus 1,000. I get it. He hasn't had that much work. But if all of a sudden Dallas shows up and starts putting pucks on net, Vasilevsky, I mean, if he's going to start stealing a couple of games, he's got to be in there for Con Smythe conversations. Jamie Benn, plus 1,100 as well. I mean, that's a leader. That's a heart and soul guy. That's Dallas's Ryan O'Reilly right there. This guy is clutch. This guy does everything the Dallas Stars ask of him. And that's why at plus 1,100... Man, that's not bad. If I got to pick a couple, Anton Hudobin at plus 350 is too good to pass up on. Victor Hedman at plus 250. Those two, I would lock in very comfortably right now, of course. Check your bookie to make sure. And go to mybookie.ag. That's where you get the best lines as well. Con Smythe series, mybookie.ag, promo code 12OZ Sports. When signing up, they'll match your deposit up to $1,000. Thanks once again. Coco Vodka, Coco Rum, Verbero Hockey, Wits Nutrition and Performance, the absolute best. WNP. There's nothing better. If you want a great workout, plan Verbero Hockey as well. I mean, hey, Verbero Hockey, unreal sublimation. I mean, their jerseys for that price Unbelievable. You get the pro stock stuff. They got the sticks dropping. They're the lightest on the market. Gloves, pants, everything coming out again. 12-ounce sports. You're home for the best sports talk radio. Still to come today, we got Talkman Radio. That's coming live as well. Cows and Quacks College Football Show. Got more college football coming tomorrow as well. Always love that. Hey, thanks again, Adam Erman Trout, Matt Nafe, our guests here on World Hockey Report on this Friday. Game one, Stanley Cup final. Stars, lightning, tomorrow. I got the Stars winning in seven. Have yourself a good one. Cody Jansen for Adam Urban Show, Jeff Beck, the Team 12 Ounce Sports, World Hockey Report, Zingo TV. I'm out, and we'll talk to you on Monday.